Hey everybody, I'm Rob McMichael, along with Tim Whitaker and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived, and how we can better represent him and his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little bit more about us, let's get into the episode for this week. This is episode number 39, where Tim and I will be starting a two-part series on the topic of doubt in the Christian's life. While there are many ways in which doubt can enter a believer's life, we discuss the overall reason for doubt and some suggestions on how to recognize and address doubt in our lives. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined here with my other host, Rob McMichael. Hello, Rob. Hello, Tim. Jordan cannot join us uh, tonight, partly probably due to the time difference. It's hard to get on the same schedule, but he'll be with us again. He says hello, and he says hello to you as well, Rob, just so you know. And partly because he's a slave to the man. I suppose that Jordan could have texted you that he missed you, but I'll tell you from Jordan that he misses you. I appreciate that. Yes. All right, cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. Um, I am very excited. I want to start off, Rob, talking about some current news. I wouldn't say necessarily Christians in the news, but I want to talk about the uh, the soccer team who was trapped for, like, I think three weeks or some obscene amount of time in these caves and that um, against all odds, they were all rescued. If it, if it makes any difference to you, Tim, this story I did use as an illustration on Sunday when I was preaching the gospel at church. So, I mean... I wonder how many pastors have used this story <laughs> as a sermon example. Hold on, wait, I, let, me, let me guess and see. Okay, here's one. When in the dark... Be patient and the light will come. Was it something about that? Like how God will rescue you out of the dark at some point when you can't see? No, mine was strictly gospel. Right, hold on, hold on. Was it about when you have no faith, it could seem like your life is full of darkness, but when you have faith, it's like someone finds you in the dark? No. All right. Well, what was it? Tell me. Well, I, I used the illustration of these boys went into the cave, got lost, got trapped, just like sin in our lives can trap us. Oh, classic. And then they needed someone external to their situation to come in and save them. I got to hand it to you, Rob. Wow. Impressive. Thank, thank Impressive. you. I didn't even see that one coming. So No. <laughs> um, but on, on a more serious note, I got to say, it's unbelievable what they did to get these kids out. Um, I was reading about it today in the news that they had to teach – all the kids had a scuba dive, and mm-hmm. the way they did it was when the kids went under, they had each each kid had two scuba divers with them, and it got so narrow that at certain points they had to take the tank off of their back, slide the tank through the opening, and then guide the kids through the opening. And I can't imagine it being well lit in the cave. I've heard that the that the water was like trying to navigate through a, uh, a cup of coffee. That's how dark it is in there. So, I mean, hats off to the kids and 
being that brave to do that because I don't know honestly if I if I would have not had a panic attack while underwater scuba diving for the first time in pitch black and trying to you know move and maneuver my body in certain ways just to get through these very tight crevices. Oh yeah, I would have died. I'm not even joking. Like I I am I get so claustrophobic Me in too. those situations. Me too. I it, I would have just been flailing, freaking out. So I give the rescuers, I give the kids, I give the coach, everyone credit with what they did. Did you happen to see um, Elon Musk, what he made for those kids? Did you, did you see the video of the submarine that he made them? Yeah, like the single-person pod submarine. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I heard the term submarine. I'm thinking he's building them like a little like submarine. No, no, he built them, and it makes sense because of how narrow the cave was. I'm not saying he did this, he did this to be cheap, but he built them like a almost like a torpedo-sized cylinder that a kid would just have to get crammed into and just kind of get maneuvered out with divers. I don't know what's more terrifying, being in that tube for five hours or trying to scuba dive out yourself. I, I imagine both are. But I also would imagine that if it's life or death, you probably surprise yourself and just do whatever you got to right. do to survive. Yeah. I mean, they were under – I think they were – they were under uh, or in the cave for nine days before anyone found them. I would imagine it was pitch black for nine days. I mean, they had no clue yeah. what day it was, what time it was. It, they were in pitch black for nine days with no food. I believe they were drinking water off of dripping stalagmites. That's how they were getting their water source. Um, I, wow. And they were the, the best part, of course, is that they all made it out alive. I mean, that is literally a miracle story. It, it's one of the most fascinating things that, and I appreciate that there were so many governments that just dropped what they were doing and came together and were like, no, these kids are important. Yes. This was one of the, I believe, really rare moments. And it's, it's a shame that it takes something so dire to do this. But the reality is, I think the whole world was unified around these kids. I mean, even what um, President Trump said, I thought was great uh, in his tweets, that he that they offered full support from the military. I know a lot of people were praying, a ton of people were praying, um, and the whole world was just rooting for this to happen. It was, yeah, like you said, it was really a unifying moment, and it kind of, I think for me, it, it reminded me of the importance of how when we're unified, we can do much greater things than we're, when we're divided because we we rescued, well, not we, but these divers, humanity, rescued these 12 kids and their coach out of literally an impossible, you know, stacked up against the odds scenario uh, between the floodwaters and the oxygen and all that stuff, and they got them all out alive, which is phenomenal. Right. So hats off. And those scuba divers, whoever they are, God bless them for real. I mean, what... What a life-saving talent to be able to navigate waters like that in that cave to rescue those kids. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And Tim, I I don't want to glaze over this, but did you just uh, did you just say that Trump did something good? Okay, I was hoping you were going to glaze over it. I didn't want to mention that, but I have to give credit where credit is due. That when I read the tweets by our president, I I had to say I was I was happy and impressed with what he said. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah. So, but I also have been learning, and this will be a podcast for a different day. That in my own life, uh, it's more important to unify than to divide. And I think even the best intention people, and I'm speaking really to myself here, probably more than anyone, uh, can end up almost being more divisive than unifying. But that's for a different podcast for a different time. But yes, 
<laughs> you did catch it correctly. You heard here, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast that uh, I gave our president some much-deserved props for how he handled the situation with uh, the soccer team. So, See that? Tim Whitaker has, tr- has turned into a Trump supporter. Yes. Now, if anyone brings this up in person, I will deny it and say this tape was edited <laughs> to make me sound this way, but... I didn't really say that. They 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 just threw Trump's name in there automatically. So, <laughs> um, listen. So I've been thinking a lot, Rob, as we dive into today's topic about this idea of doubt. Something that's that's been on my heart um, the past really couple months. Uh, doubt regarding our faith. What happens when you start doubting? Um, what does that look like? What, what kind of pain do we experience? Uh, you know, really, what what that process process can look like for a lot of people. And I I really believe that the reality is I think a lot of Christians do doubt um, somewhat often probably, but maybe are too afraid to admit it to themselves and to other people um, just in fear of, you know, being judged or called out or being told that, you know, you're not a good Christian or Christians don't doubt. And, uh, you know, I think especially with, um, with how a lot of people in the church grew up, it was kind of like the idea of doubting was like, well, no, you never doubt. You can have a hundred percent faith and assurance at all times that you know where you're going when you die for the rest of your life. Right. And then as we get older, I think that we just get certain thoughts and certain things that happen that can really shake that foundation a lot that can really rock your world because something that is so certain can become so uncertain really sometimes in the drop of a hat. And I bring this up because you know, we uh, we had a couple of, uh, episodes, uh, let's see, maybe uh, four months ago, I guess, uh, the January, February, March uh, time frame where I was able to share what I was going through at that time with a really intense, uh, you know, season of depression and anxiety and panic and how that really affected my life and um, what I was doing to kind of get through it. But the reality was, is, and, and was, was that it was a really intense time and it got really dark for a couple of months. And I tried my best to get that out on the podcast, but even after we recorded, you know, things got really, they still went downhill for quite a bit. And one of the things that, that really rocked me was I just started having all this overwhelming doubt with my faith. I just started doubting almost everything. I mean, everything from, is God really good? Uh, to, is God even there? To, is the church is, is me giving my life to the church the best way to spend my life? I mean, just questions I was really mulling over, which I think a lot of it were, uh, a lot of it was driven out of that anxious mindset for sure. But there was still a good amount of work I had to really process on my own of, hey, I'm doubting this stuff. Why am I doubting this stuff? And how do I get through it? Because I'll tell you what, when you're going through a season of really intense anxiety or depression or panic, and you're doubting what you consider your core foundation, it's a very um, scary recipe for a lot of just really more and more anxiousness, honestly. And I can remember just thinking so often to myself, like, is God even good? I mean, you know, you read these stories in the Old Testament about how he told his people to wipe out other people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how do I reconcile this in my heart? And how do, how do, I, how do I reconcile Jesus, the heart of Jesus with this God of the Old Testament? And that must be my, my faith maybe isn't even real. And, you know, I'm just kind of speaking <laughs> off of like what, what the thoughts were in my head at the time. It was a complete whirlwind. And I didn't know what was up or what was down. So I thought to myself, you know, I can't be the only person who has had these thoughts. I know I'm not, for sure. I think one of the biggest um, tactics of 
of the enemy of of the demonic world is that they like to make you think that you're the only one thinking or going through this stuff and that you're totally on your own. But the reality is that I think a lot of Christians have doubts or have had doubts in the past, um, and they don't know how to handle what happens when you start doubting your faith. The faith that, that you so desperately want to believe. I think about the, the guy in the Bible who tells Jesus, listen, I want to believe, help my unbelief. Um, yeah. I think there are a lot of Christians who have that mindset, but we almost don't know where to go. Yeah, and I, I definitely think this. So we're going to talk about a very broad topic of doubt tonight. And if we, if you think of doubt as an ocean, there are a lot of tributaries that feed the ocean waters. So we're not going to hit every single uh, avenue that feeds into our doubt. But I think we're we're going to try to at least look at a overall thing, overall picture, see what some of the sources are, see what kind of some of the mentalities are and and kind of go from there. I, I definitely agree with you, Tim. I, I think a lot of Christians struggle with doubt and struggle more so because they don't know how to express it and they're almost embarrassed by it and think that, oh, I must be a terrible Christian if I'm doubting. And surely that's um, – look at the devil in Genesis chapter 3. I mean he uses doubt – in the first story of the Bible with Adam and Eve, and he says, did God really say that? And so he puts those questions of doubt in the first woman's head. Um, So this is something that humans have been struggling with from (laughs) creation, basically. And I don't think it's something that's necessarily bad or uh, wrong or um, indicative of a weak faith, but uh, as we kind of discuss it tonight, we'll we'll see what what it really is and and how to go through it. Well, let me start with this question, Rob. Do you think that doubt is a sin? Because I think a lot of people think in their head if they're doubting, it must be a sinful thought that's in their mind, and that they're not allowed to doubt, and that uh, God's not big enough to handle doubt. So, what do you think about that? So, even that would be a complex answer. So, off the bat, I would say doubt can be in certain areas. Um, But for the general Christian, I would say if you're going through doubt, that that in of itself is not sin. Um, Examples of it can be if um, it's intentional doubt, but then it's it's kind of more on the lines of heresy where that's not really doubt. Well, let's break that that down for a second because I don't want people to make their own assumptions because when you have an anxious right. mind, you make your own assumptions, right? So yeah. what I'm saying is, let's say someone right now listening to this is like, you know what? I just don't know what I believe about my faith. I want to believe, I want to understand, but I just have this feeling of, I don't know what to believe. Would you consider something like yeah. something like that a sinful uh, thought to have? No, absolutely not. Okay. And, and I think you can have scriptural support for that too. I mean, I've been reading through the book of Job recently with one of my friends. I think Job was a doubter, and he really struggled with and talked it over with his friends and then even talked it over with God. And what did what did the beginning of the story said? And in all of this, Job sinned not. So it, it put us right, right up front that Job's not going to sin here. He is allowed to doubt. He's allowed to question God. And then if you go over to Psalm 73, that's another person, an Old Testament priest that really was going through and struggling with doubt and asking God and, and struggling with 
his concepts and his worldview. So I, I definitely do not think that uh, doubt is, in of itself is a sin. I would tend to agree. Where do you think people get that idea from, though, that, yeah, I, I'm doubting, oh, no, I must be sinning? Where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's just really, like you said kind of earlier, um, primarily just a tactic from from the gardens to stay one? Do you think that some of that can be man-made? Um, what are some of your thoughts on that? Uh, I think some of it comes from good intentions in teaching the Word of God where we learn about God and we learn that God is truth and there's no confusion and, and God's not the author of confusion and that God's truth is crystal clear. And so when we have that in our mind and then start to question, well, is God who he says he is? Then those two things seem to be contradictory. And we say, well, I must be sinning then because I, I can't, I don't, I can't see God for who he is. Yeah, I think when you combine that with um, maybe your personal experience not matching what your version of whatever that means, meaning, you know, God's truth is crystal clear. You could have full peace knowing God, and then all of a sudden you don't have a lot of peace in your life or things aren't clear. It might make you start thinking, well, maybe I'm thinking the wrong thing or maybe I'm not doing it right. I think that's a real big mentality that a lot of us have is I must not be good enough or a good enough Christian Mm -hmm. or doing it right or saying the, the right words at the right time to experience what people say I can experience of being free and not having anxiety or, you know, having peace in my life. So I think that's another big avenue, another big stream of where doubt can come from is when we kind of interpret people's well-intentioned words to mean, well, if I just do those things, I'm guaranteed to have this life that I think I need. And when it doesn't happen that way, we automatically throw everything into question, including God. Right. And I, I think there's a lot of phrases in the Christian speak and Christianese, if you will, where, um, you know, somebody telling their testimony and how God saved them. And they say, and from that moment, it had, I, I've just had an awesome life and um, I've never turned back. And it, it's been a joy ever since. And it's like, yeah, yeah. it definitely had like, obviously, since the time I was saved, it, it I've had joy that's unspeakable. I've had peace. But I've also had seasons where I've had doubt and I've had hard times and I've struggled and wrestled with God. And that's that's OK. And, but a lot of times those are just left out of the testimonies. And, it, and this picture is beautifully painted. I think that's a really great point to bring up. Um, you know, I grew up obviously like you in church my whole life and I met and heard great testimonies of people who really had their life turned around, you know. But I remember thinking specifically, there were a few people, I'm sure, who I don't have any names in my head, but people's testimony that I heard that would be something along the lines of, you know, I was addicted to whatever it was. And then one day, the Holy Spirit entered my life. I never went back to it again. And I remember thinking like, wow, like that's never happened to me. Am I doing it wrong? You know, like I never had a moment where I'm like, and this addiction in my life is gone. I never looked back. You know, whether right. it was, uh, you know, struggle with pornography or struggle with whatever else it would be. I remember, I remember thinking like, wow, this guy said that he never did that again after he became saved. I think I'm a Christian, but I'm still struggling with this. Am I doing something wrong? So, like you said, Rob, I think that can God do that to people? Absolutely, but it it seems like where we live in our culture, that's not a very common occurrence where almost like a light switch, someone is delivered from 
whatever it is that they're delivered from, and they never look back because they became a Christian. I think in our circles, a lot of people who grew up in church haven't really had those experiences. So it's like, well, am I doing something wrong then? Am I not praying the right prayer? Because I, I would like that moment in my life, but I never had it. Right, and it's it's downplaying the fact that sometimes as Christians, we get into you know patterns of life or sinful behavior or whatever is after salvation. So after we've already been washed, now this is something new that we're struggling with. So it's, we never had the chance to be delivered from this sin because this it wasn't something like, for instance, I know some people that were saved when they were like five years old. Okay, you weren't into drugs and alcohol and pornography at the age of five. But those things can come later in life when you've been walking with the Lord for 10, 15 years. And those are kind of things that are just glazed over because when we are telling the testimony, it's only those first five years. Yes, exactly. And I think the other thing we need to be careful of as well is that a lot of times in church circles and um, we we hear a lot of phrases like, you know, come experience freedom, come experience true joy, come experience peace. And here's here's the thing. I really believe that's possible to do. It really is. But I think that sometimes we interpret that to mean, oh, when I when I have this really intense emotional moment in this worship service, or when I hear this preacher preach this message, that will heal me and I'll be I'll be fixed. But what we don't think about is the work that it takes to get there. See, I think what happens is is that God gives us the strength and the tools and the Holy Spirit to get us into that place, but it takes a lot of work. So when yeah. all of a sudden we realize like, hey, I have to put effort into this. I have to put the work um, uh, mentally into it or physically into it. We start doubting like, well, wait, I don't get it. Why is this hard? I, I thought I can just show up to so- somewhere, experience joy, peace, and freedom, and then I'll, I'll be healed. Almost like if someone you know uh, snapped their fingers and, and I'm just fixed, but it doesn't really work like that. So I think that could be a big part of why people end up doubting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's, there's not a, we, we want to be careful and say that one of the rivers that could feed this ocean of doubt can be sin. So it, it, there is a possibility that if there is some unconfessed sin in your life or something that that can be an avenue of doubt where doubt can creep in because of that unconfessed, that broken relationship. But that's not always the case. And I would say almost with the people that I've talked to, maybe less than half, that's the case. Yeah. Um, I think it's more common that it's uh, these other areas where doubt's coming in. And I, I think a lot of it is just genuine questioning um, where Hold you're on. presented. I'm getting a FaceTime call. <laughs> <laughs> it's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> all right go ahead as you were saying um just saying that um i think more times than not it's it's um our life experiences coming in uh we're being challenged intellectually or relationally or socially and it's an opportunity really where we're growing as a person and the faith that we had isn't growing with how we're growing as a person. And because our faith is smaller than our actual growth, 
there's that disconnect and we start to doubt. But I think what, what's something we could get into is I think that's an opportunity for faith to grow. And I think doubt can be a very good thing when handled appropriately. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. Um, anything that that can be seen as negative in our life, anxiety, doubt, whatever it would be, if if we are determined and we are um, in the mindset of we're going to get through this, those things, those things can actually become a huge blessing in our life because mm-hmm. things that are uncomfortable and things that are painful can make us actually grow into the next step of our journey with our faith. And um, that was something that I had to find in myself is I had to say, you know what, I'm not, I cannot live anxious my whole life like this. I can't live in panic my whole life. I can't live in doubt my whole life. I need to find answers and do the work and start laying down that foundation now. So, or, you know, laying down or planting these seeds now. So when I keep watering them, they start, they start sprouting, you know, of, of mm-hmm. whatever it would be. So no, I would totally agree with you on that. Doubt can become a great motivator to actually um, empower and embolden your faith even more than where it was before. hundred percent. Right. Okay. So before we kind of get into, um, what doubt looks like and how to go about it, would you mind sharing kind of your experience on how doubt came into your life after anxiety? Well, here's the thing for me anyway, Rob, I don't really know if my experience was common for how it kind of happened, but for me, anxiety kind of, okay, the way I can explain it was picture like a real dark like uh, like field or almost like a, a dark junkyard. You know how they have like those spotlights that are just kind of canvassing the area? That's <laughs> how I kind of describe anxiety for me is that it just tends to like light up certain parts of my life for like a, a, a couple of days, then it moves on to something else. You know what I mean? So when I was in this season, one day it might have been my faith. Next day I was panicked, panicked about my marriage, if I was like doing it well enough or if I was enough for Sarah. And then the next day it'd be, it'd be you know, the fact that maybe I'll die one day, just things like that. You know, like it would just kind of rotate. But mm-hmm. it, it definitely sat on this idea of like just my faith. I don't really know how to describe it. I just had a really, I had a big sense of like, Am I believing the right thing? Is is am I doing the right thing? Um, am I am I praying enough? Is God really there? Am I talking to the ceiling? Will I be this way forever? So I had uh, my my personal doubt that I went through recently um, was wrapped up in all sorts of things, and I had to do a lot of unpacking. Right. You know, I I read a great book by the way called uh, The Search for Significance. It is mm-hmm. a fantastic book. I have it on audiobook. I must have listened to it two times now, straight through, but. That book really helped me unpack a lot of um, lies I believed for a long time, and just a very um, helping me helping me realize that I have a very workspace mindset as a human, a very performance based, and how how dangerous that could become when your whole life is based on what you can do for other people and what you can do to make other people like you. So for right. me, the anxiety was, and and then subsequent doubt was wrapped up in a lot of that mentality of, I'm not good enough for God. How could God even, you know, give me grace? I have to earn his grace. You know, if God gives me grace, I have to do something in return for him. So it was, it was mm-hmm. very much wrapped up in that. And I think years of that mentality eventually bloomed into just this like, 
is God even gracious? Am I doing enough? I don't know. I don't think I am. Is God? And then, of course, you know, one thing leads to another, and I'm doubting everything. So, I, for me, that's where a lot of my my doubt came from uh, this past, uh, you know, this past uh, winter. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, and that, like we said, that's not going to be everybody's experience, but it's good to hear of an experience and to relate and say, hey, if. Tim, the great leader of coffee theology and Jesus was doubting. <laughs> oh yeah, for all my thirty, or all of our thirty listeners, yeah, the great leader. <laughs> Hi, mom. I know you're listening. <laughs> She's probably not. I think I've offended her too much with all my Trump comments. So, <laughs> well, I'll just name this: Tim loves Trump. There, there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but. I think it's helpful to to know that there are others struggling with doubt, even if it's not the same type, it didn't come about the same way, but there's others that are struggling. And those were like serious questions that you were considering. Is God who exactly who he says that he is? Is he capable of doing what the Bible says that he says he, right. that he's capable of? Right. Um, and I, I think that's, that's one area overcoming doubt if we were to kind of look into how do you address doubt and how do you overcome doubt i think one of the primary areas is to go back to the scriptures and look at who does god say that he is yeah um if we go to back to that psalm psalm 73 the first verse um is truly god is good to israel to those who are pure in heart he immediately prefaces his story of this is going to be my story of doubt, but truly God is good. And that that's where he starts. He, he remembers and brings up, listen, this story isn't going to change who God is, but this is what I've learned and this is what I went through and this is what I experienced. Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny you say that um, in my season of of that I had to really get back to fundamental basics and just simple truths I had to say you know what I I not only am I do I believe it I'm going to choose to believe that ultimately God is good and that maybe my ways aren't like his ways and maybe that's a good thing um I I you know it's funny all the verses I learned as a kid that I thought you know I never recall I mean so many of them came flooding back I would recite um, you know the uh, the verse that Paul talks about where nothing can separate us from the love of God I would just in my head like man nothing can separate us nothing can separate us or I would read through Ephesians and just read about you know um, all kinds of things you know whether it, it would just be it would just all those words I would just kind of cling to you know I would read about about the armor of God and be like okay I'm gonna start praying this over myself you know because one of the things that I love about that about that piece of scripture is that it talks about this having the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and that always stuck out that never stuck out to me until you're going I was going through this season of, of yeah. doubt and I'm like oh my gosh like that shield I'm gonna use to have faith against the those arrows of just doubt in my life so yes I, I would agree with that I you have to really cling to the simple, basic truth of just who God is, you know, and understand that in this season of doubt, you're not going to figure it all out, but start there. That ultimately, God is good. That's the nature of what a God would do. He is just good. And that ultimately, he's here to redeem people and to and his grace is sufficient, you know. So I would totally agree with, with what you just said, Rob. That, that foundation is so important. And I think what you just said is, likewise important that we have to 
we just have to stand on what the scripture says of God. And that there's times where we get ideas in our head and who knows where they came from, um, whether it's just repeated sermons that have these phraseologies that aren't exactly scriptural, but aren't exactly wrong. And it gets ingrained in our head and sometimes it can kind of warp some things. But I think just remembering, going back to the scriptures, what does the scripture says about God? And I'm not going to figure it out. Christianity doesn't promise me that I'm going to get the answer to every single question every single time exactly when I want it. That That is never a promise in scripture. But there is a promise that God will give light to those who are seeking, and he'll give direction, he'll give comfort, he'll give peace. And I think those promises come because we are created with an inherent nature of doubting. And we're created with this inquisitive mind and with the ability to reason and think and um, rationalize. And so with those created abilities is this um, um, this given foresight of, yeah, sometimes we're going to look at all of our experiences, everything that we know, and say, all right, this isn't lining up. How can these things be? Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus. But where's the water? What's your plan?